right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Mostly Ghostly. Um, this has to be what, like the 70th time I've said that? Every time, <laughs> every time I listen to the show, I always start it off the same way and I go, I think to myself, I think they know what they're listening to by this point. But just in case there's anybody else, you know, anybody new out there, welcome to another episode mostly ghostly uh with myself machu and over there we have ray ray how you doing pretty good how about you doing good you are gleaming you're beaming and gleaming you're like a ray of sunshine today literally uh it's not my it's not my sunshine oh be careful somebody might try and steal your sunshine um today we have a very cool topic to talk about We've kind of lightly peppered over this thing before this 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 theme. Um, very interesting stuff, you know. This is something you'll always. It's almost like um, a spect uh, 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 not a spectator. A um, a spectator is one who watches. Um, a um, what do you call that? The people that spe- speculate. People that speculate. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the things that they can kind of. This is a thing that they pitch off of, which we often talk about it, it, it being real because the lines of the, the you know, the energy, if, if you believe in the energy, then, then this right here, I feel, is uh, something that you can believe in. But as we see with certain things, they'll, in certain crowds, there'll be certain people that um, would believe, you know, believe the same thing, but not if somebody else is saying it, but if some, their buddy was saying it, it's okay. Um so it's like one of those things. But without any further ado, uh, human mind conjuring. All right, folks. Now, what that is is um, paranormal and, and, and things that are uh, brought, brought out by people just wishing and thinking heavily on them happening, you know, which we've talked about before. Um, this, was a, this theme was brought to us by the great Ray Booten. Um, I know we're going to, we're going to discuss like a certain test study that went on, but I know Ray has another, uh, study that went on that he wants to talk about real quick. Well, uh, it was, a I was watching a, uh, show. I do a lot of exploring and looking for videos and information and I came across some people who were investigating a house. The house had a legend of a boy that died, you know, a couple centuries ago and haunts the place. And these people actually open it up like a bed and breakfast and let people come in. People get EVPs and they see things and it's kind of like, wow. Well, this group went in there and uh, they did the investigation. They got EVPs, electronic voice phenomenon, and they were curious about it. So they zoomed in a medium, fairly well-known one. Without telling him anything, they said, you know, what do you feel about this place? And he said, well, there's an energy there, but it was never a spirit. It was never a person. It's kind of come together. Hmm. And this energy is manifesting what the people put out. And he actually said, you know, do people go there and investigate? And uh, they said, yes. Said, uh, is there a story associated with the place? Yes. I said, well, the people investigating who bought into the story are actually has have actually left an energy imprint there. The energy has come together, and that energy is responding to them. Mm. 
Now, these uh, people who were doing the ghost hunting, they went and they did some deep research into the location. And at no time, anybody by that name was ever associated with it. So the energy you put out responds to you. I mean, it's the same as the law of attraction. Uh, maintaining a uh, good positive energy to get posit- positive things to come back to you. So yeah. on an en- energetic level, um, this spirit was created. And it's the same thing like, uh, oh, it's not poltergeist. It's, uh, uh, well, um, uh, I know where you're going with, um, it's like more of a mini, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Malaleth spirit thing. Uh, well, yeah, usually it, it shows up a lot in people that, um, are go- undergoing a lot of trauma Yeah, and they cause things to happen. Uh, yeah. Their energy, their energy does. There's a name for it which slips me right now. And I was thinking about it this morning. Had the name in my head. Now it's gone. It's not possession. But, right? I mean, it's almost no. like a type of, but it's not that. Yeah. The um, but yeah, that's the thing. You know, you, if you know, thinking you have situations where people might do like a ritual to to summon something out, and that would bring in the energy. Then just the you know people being bad people. You know what I mean? And taking taking that, you know, bad, bad energy home with them, you know, your home is where you dwell. It's kind of like your, it's your nest. It's literally your nest. You know what I mean? So all that negative, you know, the world is a very negative place not to get too real with everybody out there. So like you, you want to design your home to be a sanctuary almost, you know what I mean? So when you venture out into that world, even though when you come back with some of that negativity on you, you know, you disarm yourself of it and clean, cleanse yourself. Um, are you supposed to at least, but that negative energy could come home with you. And if it builds up enough, it'll overcome that house. Uh, it will. And the other thing is if you believe in it, then you feed it. Yeah. Well, so amazing. you make it, you make it grow. The other thing is that even if you, let's say uh, you have a case like these ghost hunters, encountered well if you have an accumulation of energy there uh that's manifesting something else could latch on yeah and in this particular case um what they were investigating was the ghost of a child well a negative energy could latch on to that ghost uh that energy then and this negative entity would then uh turn around and use that whether it's attach people, possess people, influence people. So you have to be very careful where you put your energy. Yeah, for sure. It's a very important thing. You know what I mean? Um, you, you, like I said, you get the rituals and you have the pulling of it, the summoning, you know what I mean? That's a big one. Um, whether, whether they're, you know, whether you're, you're really going for that darkness or there's, or they're just kind of, you know, believing, believing until it's there. You know, it's kind of like the Ouija board effect. So why it's so dangerous because you get the believing in there as well. Well, the Ouija board thing back when I was, uh, you take late sixties, early seventies when I was in college, um, I didn't, ex- I was exploring or investigating then. Mm-hmm. And I was looking into a Ouija board and I got an old style folding card table. Uh, not the metal ones. This is a very a light table. Put it down in the middle of a room. Um, improvised a, I think they call it a blanket, the thing that, in the middle that moves around. Mm-hmm. 
and got some people. And no, they were not stoners and they weren't drunk. <laughs> but uh, got them into the room and told them, I started going through my own ritual, a routine actually, mm-hmm. about how I was summoning something in and it's possessing the table and it's in the table and it's starting to move and people were starting to freak out. And the table starts shaking and that wasn't a case of energy. That was a case of manipulating their mind. They weren't even aware they were making the table move. Mm. So can energy manipulate uh, other energy or entities manipulate energy? Yes, they can. Just like we can manipulate other people. We just have to find the right key to do it. Yeah. And especially people who are willing. The people who went there wanted communication or wanted something to happen. So if you go and do a ritual expecting something to happen, you're feeding the outcome almost uh causing it to happen well yeah that's definitely that that's why i think some of the you know when you have a, a psychic or somebody who's not who, who's spo- supposedly a medium that talks to the other side that doesn't actually be, know how to do it like it's very easy i almost feel because people want to believe it so much like there's 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 people that speculate and will be like real hesitant but there's definitely for everybody every person every one person who's like a naysayer it's probably like 10 to 20 people that will just swallow it all up and go, oh, my God, just so they can go home and say, you know, what we did Saturday. We talked to some guy that, ta- ta- you know, told us this and that. You know, it's a better story for him. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you have the seekers. They're looking for confirmation and yeah. uh, they will latch on to things, even subconsciously twist them a little bit to fit what they're looking for. Yeah. Because they're just looking too hard and not letting it come. Yeah. There's a there's a whole lot underbelly of the the criminals out there that are faking the funk, you know what I mean? There's a science to it. There's a magic to it, like any other type of thing, you know what I mean? It's a performance. You gotta know what you're doing, know your audience, you know, look in their eyes and be able to see the hopelessness and say, hmm, let me figure out why you're hopeless, you know what I mean? And then once you kind of pull up, start to peel back the layers, you know, all you're really gonna do the I, I feel I probably said this on the show a few times. I feel like you know, humans, personality-wise, I mean, people are all different, but when it comes down to types of people, there's probably only, like, a handful of different types of people and the things they do and choices they make and stuff like that, and I think everybody's kind of the same within that. Um, so, like, to go with that, that, that you know, and, and the, 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 those folks that are going out there and they're faking the funk, you know, bad news, bad news. Ray, I know you don't dig the fake, the fake funkin'. Uh, no, I am a uh, a psychic or a medium's uh, worst nightmare. Hell yeah. I've actually paid for and go gone for one-on-one, sat down, and they start talking. They ask me a question. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, no, you're here to tell me. Mm-hmm. And they do not like that. I think that of the number of times I did that, I came across one person who was genuine, who actually gave me accurate information. Uh, with my giving them nothing. Yeah. I did give them yes or no's, and that was all, all I would give them, a yes or a no. That's all you should have to give them. It is. It's a, I was fortunately trained that way, and um, when I was giving messages, that's basically, and you should look for it in a medium, that if you start to say something, they stop you and tell you yes or no, and that's it, because 
they shouldn't want any information. They should want to be able to give you information because what does it mean for you if you've given them the story and they're feeding it back? Nothing. Yeah. If you've given them nothing and they've given you information, then you have to know that it actually came from someone in spirit and it's legitimate and <clears throat> that's what you're there for. Do you think? Do you think a lot of society kind of look at the mediumship and all that almost like, uh, like it's a magician, like it's just kind of a trick of hand? Like you look at the they approach it like they would approach, you know, the shooting game at the, at the carnival. You know what I mean? Or knocking down the pins with, with the lead ball. What do you think? What do you think the opinion is of? I think a lot of people like that. I remember one small ga- one gallery I had. I always limited it to twenty people, so there was a chance I might be able to deliver for everybody. But there was a lady sitting in the front and I started giving her uh, messages from people. And I told her that in her pocketbook, um, she had so-and-so's ring. And she just looked at me like, duh. (laughs) And one of my rules was I would go there early, but isolate myself and prepare myself. I did not want to know your name, anything, why you were there, who you, nothing. Uh, that was something I did not want. And then afterwards, she says, uh, she said, I got to confess. Um, I came here partly just, just to prove you were a fake. But when you named that ring and the other in my pocketbook that you didn't know about and the other things you told me, she said, I, I changed my mind. Now, I wasn't offended because that's the way people are. Right. They're going to they're gonna come at you. And it's up to you to be able to deliver. If you can't, you shouldn't be doing it. No, oh, well, I respect I respect her more because uh, she's ultimately open-minded where, you know, she actually yeah, was speculative of it, but she still went there to try it out for herself. And then she realized what, what was going on, you know what I mean? So you got to respect that, of course. I agree. Yeah. Yes, sir. We have nothing but respect. I'm mostly ghostly. So the human mind can conjure a ghost, all right? Um, now, would you, Ray, would you cons- consider that to be a ghost, or would you consider that just to be something, maybe an, uh, the energy that was bringing it out? I think it's, uh, well, there's two things. It's the manifestation of the energy. It's the energy bringing it out, um, yeah. the energy taking a form and manifesting your thoughts. The other thing is that that sort of energy, when put out the right way, can actually be the doorway that opens uh, opens it up for uh, ghosts or a spirit to communicate. Uh, that's the problem with uh, Ouija boards is that uh, the energy of the people in there uh, wanting that communication or opening, providing the energy to open a portal and something comes through and it's not controlled. But yeah, to be able to create an entity, to create an energy entity, uh, with the mind and with the desire and with the energy that we have in ourselves. Definitely. I mean, even science says there was a, there's an article by Forbes. I read about six months ago with some scientists did an experiment and they devised a room that uh, no, no electromagnetic fields could penetrate and they would put people in it and it had sophisticated equipment. And there was an energy field that reaches out six people, six feet around people. So we generate it. Our mind is, you know, the synapses going, there's electricity, there's energy. We take in fuel, we burn it, we create energy. We are energy beings. 
Um, we have a temporary fleshy cell, but we have energy beings, beings that we are, and we extend past that fleshy cell. So if we channel that energy outward, particularly if it's collectively in a, in a small group of people, once we put all that energy together, it can become self-sustaining or exist on its own. Mm. Because it's, a, it's a mass of energy out there. And we give the identity by what we believe it is. Well, it's the power of word. You know what I mean? People don't really, they don't, they don't, you know, it's just word. You say them every day, but, you know, when people speak, po- I, I believe when people speak positive over, you know, their life and their situations, they get better in the same way that they would, if they were to speak negative and, you know, say, oh, this always, you know, this, this ain't going to work out because it never does like stuff like that and all that. I think that is a, you know, kind of negative aura. Um, but like that aura, I think is a part of, um, you know, I think there's negative. We talked about this before. I think there's like a, a negative that just floats out there. We call that negative depression, the big D. And um, I think like everybody kind of has it type deal in the same sense. Um, and it just flares up at different times. But um, that's all energy too. You know what I mean? Like I consider that to be evil energy to like, like when you consider, when you talk about devil stuff and all that bad energy, I consider the energy, like I bet depression is just like a old, 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 ancient, evil entity. You know what I mean? It's just been around since the beginning of all. And the actual name's Depresha, Depressiana, or something like that. You know what I mean? And it's just this thing that floats. And it's this weird curse on the world that's there. And uh, yeah, I think that it's something like that. But with the energy thing, to go back to the speaking of positivity, you know what I mean? That's what prayers are and all that. Um, so we've talked about before, like the power of the mind and there's a lot of, you know, how your mind, you only use certain parts of your brain and all, you know, and often, I often wonder, you know, what, what would we be able to do if we used all of our brain and you take a situation like this where you, you know, they think you can conjure a ghost or a spirit or an entity. Um, you know, if we had more <clears throat> of our brain to use, it'd be more, what do you think it'd be more common? Like if we, I know in the last episode, a couple episodes ago, we kind of talked about this weird, what a weird, bizarro world it would be if people were to use their whole brains. And, you know, would it just be people like enlightened flying around, like hovering around? They've mastered like, you know, gravity and weight. So they don't, you know what I mean? Um, You know, they lifted the burdens off their shoulders of the world and they were allowed to float. You know what I mean? Like some weird, but like... um, yeah, what do you what do you think about that, Ray? With the bread, the, the you know, because it's very in tune with today's episode as well. The human mind can conjure a ghost. It goes all the way back to the power of that human mind. Well, I think that what happens is that uh, as we use more of our mind and we open up more parts of it, mm. um, we're able to connect on different levels. And I think it's the level you connect on that what you're going to manifest. If you take something. Um, like some of the monks up in Tibet yeah. who do, who meditate and actually levitate. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're obviously their energy surpasses or bypasses the physical limitations as they're able to levitate. If you take someone who um, let's say someone is a healer and they're using energy to heal you go to them with something that's sore and something that's bothering you and you leave and you feel better, that better. There's a positive energy transference. Now they're using, they're channeling the energy, 
but it's flowing through them. And to do that, they have to be able to open their mind in themselves farther than most people do, because that energy is there available for everybody to self-heal. Um, you also take, uh, if you take mediumship, uh, I think I mentioned it before, several episodes, probably quite a few episodes back, there was a study done in England where they got a, a group together and they um, wired up their brains for the mediums and they had them do um, sessions one-on-one with people. Yeah. And they found that uh, those that were successful in doing it, the wave pattern changed and the, I think it's the beta waves increased and a part of the brain became active that usually isn't the part that's usually active only during meditation or intense spiritual activity. Hmm. So they've expanded the brain to be able to use a part that isn't there, generate, um, isn't normally used. And with that, they're able to channel their energy and to be able to break through to the spirit world and and the energetic level that the spirits are at to be able to communicate back and forth. So uh, whether it is uh, faith healing, energetic healing, mediumship, uh, meditation, levitation, yeah, it's, there's a whole world out there available to us. I'd like to think that if people did start expanding their mind and were able to do those things, they would start to be able to connect on a higher level and not do it for evil, hopefully. That's my hope. Mm. <coughs> I hear you. It'd be nice. It'd be a nice thing. Nicey nice. You know what I mean? Dicey dice. Um, let's pop a little bit into this article. You know what I mean? Um, from the Toronto Society for Physical Research, the TSPR. In 1972, uh, made the decision to conjure a ghost. Um, they acquired six women and men with job descriptions as diverse as industrial designer, housewife, sociology student, former chair of the Mensa. Uh, and they had no certain psychic talent, only an interest in the paranormal. Um, which, you know, you got to have that interest, I feel. You think that interest is a good thing or a bad thing? You think it should have been straight up norm- normies or a little bit of interest? I think having a little bit of interest helps them direct the, the research. Um, you wouldn't put a uh, someone into research on, I don't know, um, exercise, uh, the positive effects of exercise, let's say over 50 years old, who is a 40-year-old couch potato. It just doesn't fit the parameters of the type of thing that, you know, you're you're investigating you would want basically someone over 50 who has an interest in exercise to be able to put them through routines and get a positive response back right you need a, a basic very very basic okay here are the parameters okay what's it about paranormal okay they got to at least have some interest in a paranormal or some curiosity yeah otherwise it just it just doesn't uh it doesn't work out because they'll be going in uh actually fighting the experiment and holding it back yeah i'm with you i'm with you uh, like i said it started in 1972 and if it had people that were naysayers uh by you know 1999 maybe they would have finally got them to say okay maybe it's possible we can start the research you know what i mean then you, you know if, they, if they're na- you know, naysayers that don't believe will just be nah 
Nah, it's not even worth having them there for research. Um, but uh, together, they invented Philip, which is a 17th century Scottish nobleman who killed himself after a love affair ended tragically. Very interesting. They created uh, together. One of their number. Uh, one of their number drew a picture of this character, and um, and for a year they meditated upon it and his history, in hopes that he would make an appearance. Except for a few vague sensations reported by individual members, the experiment seemed a failure. So they grew. They. They, de- they developed this character named Philip, who was a, a 17th century uh, Scottish nobleman who killed himself. Uh, and they had the whole backstory to it, you know, little theatrics to it after a love affair that ended tragically. They drew a picture of him, and then they started to, over the next year or so, I think it is, they started to meditate and really believe that this was a real person and create a history for him. And he eventually, you know, eventually it would come to be, you know what I mean? I'm assuming is where it goes, but it was, it came off like a failure the first time around, which would take on thus far. I think part of it's the level of belief, how much they believe in the experience and how much they believe in Philip. Also in their meditation, was it to create Philip or call Philip? Mm. That's two different things. Big time. Uh, creating is one thing. If you're there saying, okay, Philip, I know you're real. Uh, contact me, it's different than if you're saying, I'm making Philip. Right. One is w- one is wishful. One, uh, you want to make him, you want to create him. The other one is that, okay, you are real. And that's a big difference on how your energy goes and the power behind it. Yeah. You know, there was a, there was a horror movie called The Witch recently with Black Philip, which was a goat that was the devil, I believe. Um, the devil came back into a goat. If I remember correctly, I don't, that's a slow that, that that's a slow burn. That is quite a slow burn of a film. Um, but you know, my um, shot locally, shot locally, <laughs> and uh, you know, I think it's just one of those things of what you were going for, where you're you're opening up a door, and anything would come through as Philip if you're saying Philip. Philip, are you there? I think something will eventually uh, poke its head and go, I'm Philip Shore. You know what I mean? Um, But that is when a psychologist, sympathetic to the group's efforts, recommended they employ 19th century spiritualist methods. After all, he reasoned, since they were aiming for a, a classic seance results, classic seance practices might be the way to achieve them. Makes sense. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Um, bringing the spirit. I was surprised there wasn't a spiritual guy in, in the mix from the get go, a spiritualistic guy to really kind of key him in. Uh, it would have sounded important. I would have thought, um, the TSR, the TSPR pasted pictures of Phillips castle, a genuine location on their meeting room walls, lowered the lights and sat around a large wooden table with their fingerprints resting lightly on its surface. Only then did a presence claiming to be Philip begin to rap upon the levitated and levitate the table. Once uh, he intelligently directed a breeze through the draft free basement room. Well, yeah, it's what it's more. I think it's big with the whole 
I, th- I don't, you know, I don't think they created something as much as they just gave name to something that was already there. Uh, you agree with that? Something may have been there already. Yeah. Um, I think their failure over a long period of time would indicate that maybe um, they did create something. They did uh, make it happen. Through trial and error almost, right? Yeah, pretty much. You know, I've heard, I've often heard crowds say that the the evil out there is a man made evil through stuff like this of us us ripping open, you know, dimensions that we shouldn't have and things leaked into ours. What's your take on what's your take on that? Um, some of it is, some of it we've created. I also believe that there is uh, a negative or evil energy that has to do with the vibrational level mm-hmm. when we get back to vibrations and um. What's manifested by those vibrations? The the lower ones will manifest what we call evil. Yeah. Will uh, create negative situations and negative entities. And the higher ones will help you get by that. And you will rise up to a higher level. Like the last time uh, when we talked about ascended masters, Mm. that's a very high vibrational level uh, for us to be able to get up there and to be able to, uh, resonate at the same level as they do but yeah these these are the low the low level vibrations that's where the entities live or that's where they form and that's where evil dwells yeah, i mean people have been people have been trying to summon the dead since probably the very first person that ever died so there's a lot of weird energy floating around of trying to connect what do you think on that well, I have people are, are mourning and they want to hear communication. And even if it's a simple thing, you were just talking about what you think or what you're saying. It, and someone is saying, you know, why did you leave? Why did you have to die? Why they're putting all that out there. And that, that's an energy. And that's, that's been going on uh, as long as mankind's been around. Is that even, they've been, they have been, they have been doing that. Even taken to the aspect of ritualistic things, like I assume people have been, you know, sacrificing animals, maybe to try and get loved ones back and doing all types of rituals, probably since the beginning of time. You know what I mean? Since the people first started dying and people being like, I still want them here. How can I get them back? You know what I mean? Kids, loved ones, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Oh, well, you're also going back when you're going back to many tribal systems or even when the tribal systems uh, banded together to form uh, certain civilizations, um, but you go you go back sacrifice, uh, particularly animal sacrifice. Uh, it was used for a variety of different things: for good weather, for crops. Uh, they had a multitude of reasons why that they would sacrifice, believing in the deity that they did. And there's no reason to think that they wouldn't also someone wouldn't let's say adapt the ritual, yeah, and give a sacrifice for their own personal benefit and that might be to bring someone back or communicate with somebody yeah it's true you know it's one of those deals um and the whole thing with that you know they're really pushing like the fact they're you know they're destined to create something and they don't care about who they're offending or upsetting you know what i mean um in the realm of doing what they want they're they're kind of they're playing god to a degree right uh, they are. That's where you get into, um, if you read the stories or even the, the rituals about uh, 
ra- raising the dead or when you're talking about people who are communicating with, with demonic or evil forces to get personal power, to be able to bridge, to get control, to be able to bridge this world and the next. And, uh, they're putting a lot of energy out there, but unfortunately the energy is all very negative, very low vibration, negative energy. Mm-hmm. And people have done that for a long, long time because people have always been seeking power or knowledge or a shortcut to where they want to be. Now people, when people lower their lights for ceremonies like this, it's it's because they, they come out of the shadows, right? That's kind of why they do it. Um, they do it because they want to be able to see something that supposedly appears easier in the dark than in the light. Hmm. I know, I know that when you're, uh, people say, gee, why, why do, why do people, for instance, uh, hunt ghosts at night, not during the day? Well, ghosts are around during the day, but many locations where they might be, uh, number one, you get traffic, yeah. you get life going on. Um, they see a, they see a shadowy mist or faint figure, uh, when bright sunlight's coming through the, through the window. All of these things kind of interfere with your perception. Doesn't mean they're not there during the day. Right. It's just your perception, be able to perceive them, be able to capture them, whether it be on film or whatever. So you basically go at night when it is dark, when you can use specialized cameras, when there's no outside interference, everyone else is asleep, there's no cars going by, trucks down the road, et cetera, et cetera, to be able to uh, readily identify something. And that's why they use that in these seances quite often. Uh, and you, you got the split. The charlatans will use that because people can't see the stunts that, that they're pulling. But uh, outside of that, people will be looking for something to be able to manifest and differentiate that from the darkness from the background. It's easier than a well lit room. Do you think st- there's like a, a vi- like a visual way they look almost, you know, for lack of a better term, to be like predator like in a way where it's like an, a flip of light. So during the sunlight, you don't see them because it's almost like a mirror reflection of what's around it. But at night, you see it because it's darkness around them and you see the reflection of the darkness, hence the shadow people. Uh, that could be shadow people during the day also. If you are a light mist and the sunlight is shining in a room right through you, it's it's hard to detect. Whereas yeah. if if you still take that, not the shadow person, but the light mist image, and you put it in a dark room, it stands out. Right. I So like the, you know, so you think that they still would roam, do you think they're away during the day or just not visible? Not visible. They're around. Enough things happen during the day um, in many places that, uh, yeah, they're they're around. They're around during the day. Just less people attempt communication or attempt to capture a picture or whatever during the day. So uh, we tend to automatically think, "Oh, they're not here." Oh, yeah, they're hanging over your shoulder. It makes no difference. Do you think they're? You think they're stuck in routine, or they're just kind of lurking and watching what, what's going on? Uh, residual hauntings, basically people are stuck in routines. That's why, um, let's say someone is in a house and they see some, they see a spirit walk through a wall. Yeah. Check it. Well, they, uh, the owner before that basically redid the house and the wall they're walking through used to be a doorway. Right. So they're stuck in that routine and they see it in the old, uh, the old layout back from the 1800s. They don't recognize in their 
in their present form and where they are, they don't recognize the 20th or 21st century modifications. So they're, they're walking through a, through a wall where a door used to be. Yeah. But yeah, they can get into a routine when they're attached to a place, do the same thing, and that can happen during the day or at night. Do you think there's ones that just lurk and watch that like aren't, or that's a whole different type of entity? That's a different type of energy. There are watchers. There are lurkers. They're there. And they're looking for those people quite often that are putting out an energy that want to communicate, but they're not doing the right things to protect themselves or to block anything negative, Um, whether it is the Ouija board, the seance, whatever, to collect, to use that energy to to gain strength or possibly to finally break through to this side. And those are the lurkers. Those are the watchers. And, uh, that's why you have to protect yourself and you have to know what you're doing. Do you subscribe to like a, a collector, if you will, of like, you know, ghostly spirits that maybe b- die before their time that are here, that there's something that actually comes around collecting them? Uh, collecting them, you have had different. Uh... In a both a po- it could be collected in both the positive and negative way, of course. You know what I mean? There- Different cultures have, have subscribed to that and said, yes, a soul collector, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say for the most part, no. If someone is trapped here or trapped in between until they let go or someone shows them the way out, they're going to stay trapped. Right. You have dream catchers, right? Yes, I do. Now, that is to keep away bad, like bad dreams while you to protect you while you sleep, right? I think. Uh, to protect you while you sleep, what happens is when the bad dreams come down, they get caught up in a dream catcher. Only the good dreams get through. And what happens is you should always hang it to where in the morning it's exposed to the sunlight. The, the sunlight burns off and destroys the bad dreams. Hmm. I like that. Uh, and the whole thing about that, the gust of the breeze that went through a draft-free basement, what's your take on that? A fart? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In the dark, it could be somebody generating it, or it could be um, whatever energy that they were collecting together had enough to move the air. I mean, even though there's no, uh, what did it say, it was a, a draft-free basement, I mean, there had to have been a door going to it, you know what I mean? Which that door shutting could have created a, a, a little breeze, or that door being open and a window upstairs could have created that breeze, you know what I mean? Uh, I agree with that. It would be one of the participants that would have to be awake enough uh, or aware enough to be able to say, oh, wait a minute, they opened that door over there at the top of the stairs, that's where the breeze comes from. Yeah. So that, that depends on how much you really want it to be the spirit and how much you want to disprove it. I've seen both things in uh, on shows where they investigate <clears throat> the people who will go to any length to try and disprove something, and sometimes they look ridiculous. Yeah. And, and the people who, who want to simply uh, believe in it and accept anything, even though it's kind of like, come on, we all know that wasn't a spirit. Yeah. They're like uh, the TV shows that are like – you, it's an air conditioner, and they're like, everybody shut up. You hear that? You hear that? It stopped. It heard we were talking about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, yeah, oh, yeah it's crazy. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you, you, ha- you, 
you need a you need a middle space there. You got to keep an open mind, and if you can't get if you can't explain it away after investigating, then it was spirit. It's very simple. When we were down in that uh, mental hospital, me and Sean as teenage boys, and we videotaped it. Um, there we do go into a basement where there is no windows, and um, as the camera pans by, in the very back far of the room, you see like a noose. And I, I know it sounds funky that I'm saying a noose, but you see literally like a wire that's been tied like a noose that swings in the background for no reason. Um, the only thing that could, and, and like as we approach this room, you can see that there's a table in front. Like there's no way we did it. You know what I mean? It, it was a, that was probably, you know, that's one of those things when I talk about that experience, I, we'd never seen any of that weird shit while we were in there. Cause if we did, we would have been whip gone. Um, we didn't pick up on stuff like that till we got out. I mean, we, there, there's, 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 you know, waist to head, shoulder, you know, shoulders, everything, uh, shadow people that you see like in windows before we go in. Um, there's like weird, like weird light or like things that jump around, like stuff that if we seen, we would have been like adios amigo there's um the most horrifying part is when we're leaving there's a growl that's like fucking i don't even it's the most the most paranormal things i've ever counted i feel i've counted a decent amount i feel in my day you know me and ray we don't just do this show because we're interested we've been we've been touched by the angels you know what i mean um but that that place has got to be one of the biggest hotspots, and I believe they tore it down, and now it's going to be like uh, apartments, something weird. I don't know what they're doing. They tried burning it. It burnt a couple of years back. Somebody burned the kitchen. They said it was people partying. Um, I wonder what the backstory is. Ooh, that's the stuff we took. We took. Uh, I believe my buddy took a hammer, a medical hammer, and I have like a, a audio reel of uh, some doctor's notes that I've never been able to transfer uh into the real into the real and i maybe i don't want to you know <laughs> but, but yeah that place got the, the i remember yeah you don't catch that stuff when you're when you're when you're in there but that place had a big vibe like that for sure that had that but that thing moving around so like i do believe that it's possible that something like that would happen um, that noosey thing, or that I'll say wire, so it just seems more believable to naysayers, but that wire that was hanging that had a, a circle at the bottom of it was very real. Um, uh, the fact that it was a physical thing swinging is, is more believable to, I've seen it of course in my own eyes, but a breeze is so weird. It could be, it could really be anything. You know what I mean? It could be somebody putting their, you know, moving their coat like this in a room. You know what I mean? It could be if they're in the darkness, you know what I mean? It could be anything. Well, there's sometimes um, I was in a place, an old reformatory had been a a place for kids and a mental hospital and at one time a prison. Um, And I was standing in front of a cell. There was no one else there. And I basically I took a picture of the cell. And then I looked at the picture and there's this kind of white, it's not really orb-like. It looks almost, almost solid, like cotton yeah. kind of, kind of thing floating in a spot. And then I look at my camera, what I'm taking a picture with. Then I look up, there's nothing there. Look down. It's there. Look up. I did that like half a dozen times, back and forth, back and forth. And I went, cool. I got something. <laughs> kind of, there, was, there was. I looked at me, and there was nothing. I figured 
for some reason, something said, uh, take a picture. I took a picture. Looking at it, there's nothing. Look down at the picture, there's something. And it, it wasn't your lens flare sort of thing. This thing had a very kind of almost solid type of look to it. Like I said, more like a ball of cotton. It was very distinct. Yeah. And it was kind of like, um, okay, I'm the only one here. That's cool. <laughs> I'm going to cut up that, that hospital footage one of these days. It'll be our first big, mostly ghostly video uh, special. A lot of crazy stuff. Uh, horrifyingly crazy. Uh, horrifying. Um, you know, so I, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should be believing or no. Um, I mean, the levitating table is a bigger deal um, than a breeze, I feel, but. You know, uh, Philip would give correct responses to any question about himself, which correct just means whatever a fake correct for a fake person is really fake. And it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day uh, about himself or the time, which they, they, if they have history books, they would know about the time in which he lived. As long as the information that was already known to at least one member of the group. Yeah. So that's. I think that's the deal. Or it had been agreed upon beforehand. So either one person would have to have claimed that they've thought of that or they would have to agree ahead of time. Which go more into agreeing ahead of time is one thing, but somebody, Paul being being in the back of the group because nobody talked to him in two weeks being, yeah, guys, I, 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 I seen something. You know, I don't quite, I don't know if I, I can believe that, that gimmick. What do you think? I don't know. I got I got my doubts about you know uh, someone afterwards. I know that as far as the table levitating, there was a show I uh, watched, some videos I watched out of England where um, they were sitting around a table, and what they did is they had multiple cameras. One was on the table that the the and one was underneath the table. Well, actually, it was a little bit, but it showed the table from the bottom, so you could see their feet, you could see their knees. Yeah the legs and everything. And at one point the table rose up and you could see because of the, the split screen, you could see no one was lifting that table. No one had a foot under it. No one was lifting their knee or anything like that. The table just went up a couple of inches and then came back down slowly. And now that's another one where I'm looking at it going, cool, you did it right. You limit, you thought ahead of time. Okay. I'm going to be careful. I'm going to have a camera pointing underneath here just to make sure. Uh, this place has a legend for a lot going on, so we're going to make sure this is covered. If we get something, it's legit. And they did. Yeah, I mean, that could be – I'm with you. That could, it's good that they have that camera angle, but the fact that they were setting that camera as, – as we do productions, we know that you're setting up that camera angle for a reason most of the time. And it's kind of safe to say a lot of the paranormal shows that you'll see on TV, much like every other reality show type deal, is all fake, you know, for the most uh, part. Yeah, I like the ones myself. Um, I was watching one the other day, which will remain nameless. They did something where they had multiple cameras in a certain area and they picked something up. Mm-hmm. And you could sync up the cameras for the same time and look at what was happening uh, from different angles. Right. And I watched it and I said, okay. Mm. You got it from this side. You got it from that side. You got it looking up over here. Yeah, they can't fake that one. They got all the angles covered. But it's rare you get people that thorough. Yeah, no, I hear you. When it comes to 
TV stuff, I speculate, because of course I do believe in all of this, but I feel when it comes to schedules and, you know, it becoming a job, I do feel that they, you know, they will, uh, you know, they, they will kind of stretch if need be, but I do feel that the stuff's out there. I just feel sometimes on TV, but who's the, I'm not saying that they're not catching some stuff because everybody wants to be on TV, right? Oh, I, I agree with that. I've also noticed the trend in, in paranormal shows is that uh, places that used to go into houses are now going into bigger places like asylums. Mm. And now, whether it's a house or an asylum, instead of just the spirit of somebody, um, the phenomena is getting bigger. And you're talking about seven, eight times out of ten. It's now demonic when before it wasn't. I mean, that is whatever network they're on pushing them. Listen, you got to catch some good stuff. Listen, you got to, you got competition out there. You've got to, uh, ramp it up a bit so that whereas before they, they might go, Oh, wait, what was that? Shh. Now when something happens, they scream, jump and run mm-hmm. because it's much more dramatic. True. So I'm, I'm seeing a lot more of that in shows and it's, it's very disappointing. Yeah. It's too much Hollywood. It's what happens. Definitely. I look forward to the day with you and uh, others uh, from Mostly Ghostly to go in, investigating. Yeah. I think what will be interesting there is setting some ground rules. And one of them is don't overreact for two reasons. One is you, it's not the purpose is not to go Hollywood. Two is that, you know, while you're screaming, yelling or anything like that, any additional messages or anything like that are lost. Yeah. While, while people are panicking, you say, like, Work on that self-control to just go and stop. <laughs> Let it come through. Let it happen. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll do the ritual so that you're safe. <laughs> you got to give them that. They get to sign a waiver so they feel safe. <laughs> we're also, we're also going to bring a lot of black salt. That's uh, very with the times. I like that. Well, what, what we're going to do is at the uh, at the entrance when we go in behind us, yeah. we're going to leave a very thick, large layer of black salt, so that when we leave, we can wipe our feet on it, so anything attached to us cannot cross it and follow us. Is that salt like regular, like regular white house salt? Same salt thing, like you put on your food, or is this like uh, this is uh, th- this is different? It, it's it's black salt, but uh, yeah, it's spirits have a notorious not only can they not cross it once you get it on your shoes they can't follow in your footsteps so to speak they can't follow you that's why that's why you wipe your feet on it so you should almost have a bucket of it outside everybody's house that you step in and out of when you (laughs) come and go you know wipe wipe your feet say you say your prayers and then go on your way and you're all set nothing's with you what if you were to uh what if you were to take your shoes step in glue and then step into the salt so it stays on your shoes. Would that work? Uh, I don't know if I want to be driving around with my foot stuck to the accelerator when I have well, to Well, but not on that day. It's like a, it's a project. It's a, it's a house project. It's something for, for everybody to do at home. You know what I mean? Not like do it and then just hop in a car. Come on. It's like um, a I've, 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 always, I've always thought that, you know, holy water is a good thing too. Yeah. Sprinkle, do the salt, sprinkle, sprinkle some self on you, say your prayers of protection, and then just go on your way. You support drinking, drinking holy water at all? Think that does anything? I don't know. I really haven't thought about it that much or whether you should or not. Um, I think 
much like you would make a regular salt and water mixture to clean your windows and sills, I think that once you um, put it on, on you on the outside of you, nothing will, will attach to you. Or if something has, it'll break the attachment. Yeah. I'm with that. I'm with that, yo. Um, let's get back to Philip here. We're 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 uh, we're not giving him the attention he wants. Um, Philip would give correct responses to any question about himself all the time, which he lived, like we just talked about. Um, you know, to go back to the unless they agreed, but if the question strayed out of the uh, limited area of expertise, his answers seemed hesitant or were not forthcoming. I feel like they're playing a game. They're playing a game with everybody here. This, this is. I, I'm definitely wanting to call bullshit on this whole deal. That's for sure. What, you know what I mean? It, so, it sounds a little funny, uh, but if it is an energy, and literally, literally that energy is programmed, so to speak, with certain information, it will re, it will respond in kind. But it's starting to go a little bit far. Going, oh, I don't know. Is it possible that they they birthed it and it's growing from their energy that it would only know their knowledge. Is that possible? I'd say that's highly likely. So then in that case, it wouldn't make sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They thought about that one a little bit, at least. Um, you know, definitely, you know, I don't know. Uh, after a few months of meeting with Philip in the dark, uh, the TSPR turned up the lights uh, invited an audience. Whenever you know, now it's time to make money. Philip continued to rap the table. You know, doing some notorious big. Even drag it around uh, the shag carpeted room. We're definitely in the seventies again. When the pe- uh, peculiar quality of the rapping wasn't analyzed, the sound print showed up. Uh, showed a build up to the sound's peak, rather than the other way around, as is normal. The first rapper, he, this guy, he's before. I wonder if he beat uh, Rudy Ray Moore onto the scene uh, and takes a crown for the first rapper. But, um, yeah, that's, what do you think of that? What do you think of that whole deal? Um, if it's a lit room with an audience and he's still doing it, then, uh, yeah, they've established a really strong energy deposit there, so to speak. And uh, it's res- – they – like you said, they gave it birth and it's responding to its parents. Yeah. Uh, it's, re- it's energy responding to energy. This still could be a very, uh, a, very a great stage play, too, at this point, where you develop it, you, you, you work it out, and then you bring an audience in. So I'm still middle of the road on this story. But I'm with you on that. Um, you know, he, he also, Philip, also rapped on a, a metal plate, crossing over metal and hip-hop before Run DMC and Aerosmith. That's nice. Uh, especially why he, this dude's very musical. I had no idea. They do say that uh, the devil is in the music. Uh, especially wired to record vibrations and discourage fraud. He lifted his table about an inch and a half above the ground in front of the group and a film crew now film, now cameras are involved, which was caught by surprise and failed to record the event. That uh, They were very unhappy with that film crew that day. We pay you, we pay you, and you forget you fucking don't get the one thing that we need. Ah! <laughs> I feel their pain. I feel their pain. Um, 
So his big thing of communication is all this rapping on things, beat, you know, knocking on them and such. Um, which could, I guess, be, I mean, it could be something could have, you know, I'm sure they could have done, figured out something. It was the 70s, of, you know, um, in the 50s or 40s, what's his name? Uh, William Castle was doing those things in theaters with buzzers and seats and all smell of rammer and all that, um, you know, incorporating more interactive stuff with the audience. You know, this almost sounds, and that was 10, 20 years before this. So it's like, uh, you know, it could be keeping with the times, keeping with it. I'm still not convinced it's not a, an entertainment act, but just not the whole thing, but the, the, this gimmick. Um, you know, lifting the table for, you know, an inch above the ground, stuff like that. I mean, why doesn't it go higher? That's why I always wonder, you know, it's the same thing when people levitate and they do only like David Blaine will do like three inches off the ground or whatever. And it's like, it looks like it's a weird leading thing that they do somehow. And it just looks, you know what I mean? Or like a, a shoe, like weird, uh, like a like the front of the shoes got mirrors on them or something. You don't and behind the mirrors is the guy actually leaning up. You know I don't know what the, the gimmick is with that trick, but um, it, this all sounds like it could be tricks a little bit. You know some magic magic stuff. What do you think about the level the, 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 the level table coming off four inches? I'm sure it's a heavy table and all that. So like you know the, the energy to take to lift it would be a lot. You know what I mean? They have that going for them. But what do you, what's your take on this stuff? I would say in any type of uh, levitation, it's going to be, um, if it's being done by any sort of entity in uh, spirit or whether you created it or not, it's going to be, going to be how much energy it has to move something in a physical world. And that's going to be difficult for it to do. Yeah. Or even if you're in the physical worlds uh, and you're meditating to generate that much energy, let's say even if someone weighs 150 pounds, to lift 150 pounds would be a lot of energy you're generating. Right. The whole thing with the film crew, you're not being able to catch the camera. That's kind of vague. You know what I mean? It could be anything from them, you know, eating, eating sandwiches while it happened to seeing it happen, running to get equipment. And then all the batteries mysteriously being dead or, you know, all the electricity to plug in the cameras being dead or, you know, all, you know, equipment being, we, we often hear of batteries being drained and stuff like that with, with energy like that in the room because they don't want to be seen, you know what I mean? So, I mean, that possibility is there as well. Well, if they're using the energy to levitate the table, they may have stole it from the equipment. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, the, another thing too, is if they're not that well disciplined, let's say they're skeptics and they're kind of watching and something happens and their jaw drops open. Then they turn around and they go, Oh shit, I didn't have it on because they weren't expecting anything. No. I mean, it can be a, a, a simple mistake. Um, or it could be that uh, that's the excuse for not having to uh, put up any proof. And the bigger audience you get, that's more people wanting to see it happen. So it's more energy being pushed into whatever the trick or the, whatever you want to call it would be. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Everybody in that audience isn't going, well, there are people going, I hope this don't work, but the majority of people are going, oh, I'd love to see this work. I'd love to see this work. You know what I mean? 
Um, the methodology used to create Philip has been replicated a number of times with a variety of dramatically backstoried characters, which that's kind of dark. That's going to be a scary thing. These entities, you know, they're creating these monsters and sending them off into the, into the netherworld. These entities have been cited as evidence of uh, psychokinesis uh, and related to poltergeist phenomena. In fact, some of the TSPR members reported instances of poltergeist-like activity in their post-Philip private lives. So right there, I think, adds to the fact I think that they made contact with something that didn't want to, when they wanted to leave the party, they wanted to leave the party with them. You know what I mean? I, I agree that they, uh, that energy, they may have created in their minds a certain figure, but that energy may have opened the door they weren't prepared for. Yeah, you know what I mean? I think that there's that brings a little more to it too because I do think so. You can't just you create you're the creator of something like that. I don't think you can just turn your back on it and walk away. It's like having a kid, like anything. You know what I mean? Um, poltergeist phenomena are usually associated with troubled individuals, often children or teenagers. Uh, unlike hauntings, which are associated with locations, if the PK theory, you know what I mean, the psychokinesis theory is correct. Philip-type entities in poltergeists are less supernatural and more relatively rare and little uh, understood function of the human brain. So it says like poltergeist is just kind of that negative, the negative energy through trauma that's kind of brought up, you know what I mean, creates the poltergeist. Um, it wants to kind of put this right in line with that, which I, I agree kind of. Poltergeist I thought had a little more of a paranormal ghostly vibe to it but uh it could just be straight energy i guess realistically that is what a poltergeist is right not a ghost but bad energy like take from the movie if i remember back on the movie where they're like oh actually it was supposed to be the, the devil or something in poltergeist i remember the part where it's like he's got your kid who who's he 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 the one like that line um yeah yeah i um, I think that for most people who experience something like poltergeist, it is a psychokinesis. Um, it's just someone is undergoing trauma and a lot of raw energy is released. Maybe a window slam shot, something move, falls off a table for no reason or flies across a room. I call it an energy burst. Yeah. Uh, and people, it's an energy burst when it affects the physical world. They call it a poltergeist. I like that. Energy bursts. I support that. What if we had a big atomic bomb energy burst of good energy? Save the world? Maybe it would. You never know. Um, the fact that they were affected by their lives, I thought was very interesting. <laughs> I, you know, that, that makes it more realistic and the poltergeist tie in to be more, you know, right on their own point, I think. Or they could be related to uh, egregores. Egregores or thought forms are being beings brought into existence through the power of intense group or individual thought. An example cited by John A. Keel in his book, The Mothman Prophet Prophecies, uh, is a specter which fits the description of the fictional character, The Shadow. It has been cited by a substantial number of uh, Disinterested parties over the years in the vicinity of Shadow uh, creator William Gibson's home, but but only after Gibson lived there. So they're saying that it's kind of one of those things that, 
you know, people see it after the fact, you know, like somebody creates this thing and then people, you know, which I kind of consider that to be all, uh, very clo- closer than poltergeist, you know what I mean? A part of that is mental. Is an ener- I say that's something like um, an energy imprint. Uh, the person's belief in it is very, has to be very, very strong. You tell someone a place is haunted by a particular thing, they go in, they see that thing. Yeah. Uh, whether that's what it actually is, the first person who named it, created it, whatever, uh, the believers are going to go in there, invest their energy in it, wanting to see it, and they're going to see what they want to see. It's well, it's kind, just, yeah. It, it's kind of like um, you, you take old mirrors or just the eyes overall. Uh, when we look at clouds, we see things. Mm. We see what we want to see. One per, a kid might, might see a cute teddy bear. A Native American might see an eagle. Um, it's, we're going to see the human brain tends to make patterns and put recognizable faces or recognizable fingers into those patterns that it, that it sees. So part of it is that. And the, yeah. when the energy comes together, uh, they'll see what they believe it is and they'll project over that. It's like your urban legends. You know, every, every town kind of has a, a supposed uh, little ghost story or some type of ghoul lurking in the woods or, you know, somewhere in there that the kids grow up talking about it and creeps them out around Halloween and stuff. And, you know, even the kids talking about it gives it that energy. You know what I mean? Well, what about, what about sounds? There you go. Ghost sounds. Yeah. And the town, in the town I live in, I grew up in, uh, my parents moved out. I was away for quite a few years, moved back. Um, I saw images when I was young, before I even heard the stories. And then, uh, and it had to do with railroad tracks. And when I moved back, the tracks and the trains no longer go through here. Yeah. And I, I wasn't even thinking about it. But at one time where I first moved back, I lived in a place near where the tracks used to be unaware of what the stories were. And I was out in the backyard one time and I hear a train whistle, distinctive train whistle. And I'm going, that's not a truck. That's weird because there are no trains around here. That was my thought until later on. I, uh, with other people in the town start talking about the, uh, the train whistles that are still heard from the area where the tracks used to be. And it was kind of like my, my typical reaction. Cool. <laughs> is the town you live in now? Oh yeah, it's haunted. Several when places you, are. When you said train whistle, I could have sworn I heard a very light train whistle in the background. So when I listen to this back, remind me to look for that. <laughs> and I do feel we catch weird things in the audio a lot. For anybody out there listening, let us know what you heard. You know. Um. <clears throat> But yeah, I mean, we had the predator near us, which was this big pterodactyl type thing. We got, of course, the Bridgewater Triangle and all the stuff that happens with that. Um, right, here, here's one for you that, that yeah. you should find, find amusing. Um, when my uh, when my mother crossed over, there was a big rush to uh, get a cemetery plot, stone everything. The family, you're in the middle of trauma. And uh, the last thing you want to do is try and make all these arrangements. So being thoughtful, or at least trying to be, and not wanting my children to have to do that. um, Several years back, I went and did get a uh, a cemetery. I have a plot 
and a stone and everything all set. So the while they're undergoing the loss of a parent, they don't have to deal with all the other stuff. That's good, yeah. Now, the cemetery where all of it is, is also the town's cemetery, and it's haunted. Ah! They're going to plant me in a haunted cemetery. You ever walk through it? Oh, yeah. You're starting to make friends ahead of time? Well, I think, you know, get to, get to know the neighborhood, get to know the neighbors, <laughs> yeah. get it all set up, you know, there'll, there'll, there'll be a party to welcome you when they plant you. Learn who the, who the asshole neighbor is before you move in, you know. Uh, yeah, who, who, who the nice one is, too, you know, whatever. <laughs> who plays music too loud, you know, all that kind hey, of stuff. It, 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 it's, uh, look, from what I've heard, it's a fun cemetery. The most common thing in there, they see a dancing ghost that kind of curls and dances around in there. That's cool. So it's kind of like, oh, a party cemetery. I mean, I can that wait. Is a good vibe, yeah. I don't, I don't want to go there too early. I can wait for it. But, you know, hey, it's going to be a party <laughs> when I arrive. Hell yeah. I'm with that. Yeah, you want to go somewhere live. Some bumping when you're dead. You know what I mean? You yep. get lit. Yeah. Well, I get lit. And uh, I'm not talking about uh, cremation. You know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, if that shade is an example of an egregore, uh, it is relatively a mild one, but some traditions claim that egregores have been created to serve as sexual surrogates, uh, and a few of those devolved into full-fledged doppelgangers who murder their creators and take their place. Horrifying. We've heard about doppelgangers uh, for many times. Um, also, when we were talking about, I think, Jin, was Jin also like a doppelganger type deal? Uh, no, they just take human form. Yeah, well, who are we talking? We talked about something that that we w- wasn't doppelganger, but that they did. They were like, they were like, they looked like you, and they were out within in the world. And if you came across them, it was possible for them to take you out of the picture. Was there was an entity that was like that? I thought. Uh, you talking about skinwalkers? Maybe it was a skinwalker. Yeah, but it was something I know that it was like every like it was like a body snatcher type deal where like they had they. They were another entity that made themselves look like you and literally body snatch you, take over your whole deal, your whole gimmick, you know what I mean? And then take you out to pick and then just live your life as is, you know. And you almost have to have a spiritual battle with them to survive, you know. But, yeah, uh, yeah, that's no fun. Doppelgangers are, are creepy. That's very creepy. And the whole the whole idea of it's creepy. Like imagine knocking on, getting a knock on your door, and you open up the door, and it's yourself looking at you. What do you do in that situation? You let him in. What do you do, Ray? What if I'm looking at myself? Yeah. Probably start laughing. What if he doesn't laugh? Trouble. Shut the door. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I feel you on that, brother. Egregores uh, have also been equated to the elementals, uh, uh, though of a degraded kind. And Tibetan tulpas, advocates for the tulpas, contest this association, as egregores have a bad reputation, uh, but that doesn't necessarily make the tulpas good. What do you know about the tulpas and the egregores, Ray? Well, the egregores are the energy beings, but the... uh... The topas I don't know about. Yeah. The Tibetan topas, the Book of the Dead Folk. 
Um, for example, explorer and orientalist Alexandra David Neal decided to conjure the topa of a fat little monk, I guess. Uh, after months of directed meditation, it materialized not only to her, but to other residents of her camp. After a while, the topa graduated from her control. It slimmed down and took on a uh, decidedly sinister aspect. At that point, David Neal decided to pull the plug on her topa. Uh, and with the help of some Buddhist monks of her acquaintance, reabsorbed his energy. Now that reabsorbing of energy thing's big too. And I vibe with that, even though like that's more of a foreign thought, I feel. Uh, the absorbing of energy, I kind of, I think that's, you know, in my mind, that in, in the spiritual world, that's kind of a real thing. What's your take on everything I just said? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I agree. Uh, if you have generated the energy, then you can reabsorb it, disarm it, uh, get rid of it. Reabsorption also can be sending it, if the energy is there, sending it back to where it came from whether it be the earth, whether it be the grave, um, it's sourced from the other side. So reabsorb or reassign, redirect the energy. is uh, The ability to do that is very important. And most of that is done usually through rituals, through spells, and recognizing that it is uh, what it is, not being fooled by it. Yeah, it's interesting you'd think it would, it would eventually be trouble. Like what, because what are you going to, eventually you would kind of, it's brought here for a purpose. And then once the purpose isn't, I feel needed, unfortunately uh, it's probably done away with or whatever. That's probably why it turns bitter and sinister. Well, anything that may uh, be given life, so to speak, or any sort of an awareness when you create this energy entity, um, why would it want to be destroyed to go away? Right. True. Now, the reabsorbing of energy, you think that, what, what do you think that consists of? What do you think f- physically happens in that situation? Well, in, in a controlled environment, obviously, you're not taking the personality of that energy slash entity with you, uh, but you're taking the energy that feeds it back into yourself. Uh, you're uh, cleansing and absorbing that, that energy to take a uh, to take its identity away, to take its existence away. So basically you should be, and under those, if done right, under those circumstances, you should be re-energized or feel actually better because now that energy is back where it belongs in you, in the form it should be in. Yeah. You can almost take the, his point of view as, as um, an underdog story in a way. You know, he was brought here, and he was this, he was this big fat, little fat monk thing. And it was after it was used and discarded, it toned up, got in fighting form, you know, got a little, got a little darker, got that edge to him and then kind of did his own thing. And uh, he was a bad boy and they didn't like that. He was too much of a rebel, if you will. Maybe the person that, maybe the lady that summoned him was a, was a heavy lady and didn't like the fact he trimmed down that weight and was like, you're out of here, bud. You're gone. You're coming back with me. She reabsorbed his energy up. You know what I mean? Um, if Philip-type entities, egregons, toplas, and poltergeists are projections of human thought, it would explain why so many places that seem as if they are, they ought to be haunted are. 
Um, this theory also uh, differentiates them from pre-existing opportunistic beings looking for an entry into the physical world via Ouija boards and all that stuff. Those entities will no doubt be featured in a future Cobra's ghost, but get the following aside here. Future ghost, eh? Future ghosts are on their way, you know what I mean? You gotta be careful. Every day there's future ghosts being made. In 1994, a group of students from Franklin Pierce College attempted to replicate the Philip phenomena. They met with little success, most likely due to the short duration of the experiment in their laughably slapdash mythology. One night, having again failed to contact the creation Robert, they decided to try reaching him using a Ouija board. Several beings, or one masquerading as several, uh, communicated with them, but sniffily denied any knowledge of Robert. Uh, be that, maybe his ego, be that as it may, uh, the different varieties of supernatural entities described uh, above do behave in distinctively different ways and have specific limitations not necessarily shared by pre-existing or demonic beings. No Philip-type entity has yet materialized, um, whereas that is the signature feature of the egregores and the tuplas. You know, they're phys physically there, you see them. Egregores and tuplas individualate, unlike Philip-types and poltergeists, who remain connected to individuals. Poltergeist or... PK phenomena are not associated with egregores or topas. Differences in the behavior of different supernatural beings are not without precedent. In the Mormon tradition, for example, there is prescribed method for discerning what kind of non-human being might claim to be delivering messages from God. The doctrine is hand. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, faking, faking the funk to make him look like they're uh, straight from God. You know, that sounds like bad news right there. An angel being resurrected and therefore having a body of flesh and bone will take it. The spirit of a just man-made perfect, they call it just man-made perfect, who's not resurrected but still covered in God's glory, will ignore your hand and proceed with the message. The devil, being compulsively deceptive, will try to shake it, but being without a body will fail, and with any luck, he'll become frustrated and go away. In the realm of PK, or thought form creation, however, a little human deception seems to go a long way. The darkened environment that facilitated Philip's appearance set the scene for all sorts of pseudo-spiritualistic chicanery. British psychologist Kenneth Batchelder, who all by all accounts has had great success relating to Philip's style PK activity, suggests a designated cheater is helpful in the early stages of the process. I agree with that. I think they cheated it. It, it gathered its own power. Uh, that person produces an initial rap or table lift in order to relieve group members from the uneasy thought that they are personally responsible for the occurrences to follow uh, or to get the group past the first semi-dreaded spooky event, if you will. Most researchers in this field agree that anybody who hopes to successfully generate the sort of phenomena described above has really uh, wanted to happen and really believe it will. 
In any case, the dubious settings and the methodologies of the experiments by necessarily biased researchers inevitably shadow the results, however they are impressive. You know, that's how other people feel that way. I don't think they're all that impressive myself, personally. Would you, did you think those, that was impressive evidence, Ray? What would you think? Uh, no, On paper? I, I, I like it. For me, impressive re- uh, evidence... Um, when I was exploring that reformatory, um, I was in a section alone and I basically said, I'm leaving, turned around and went and I heard a clear voice say no. And I got it on tape and it's a very clear no. I heard it. I got the recording of it. It's kind of like, this place is empty. Uh, okay. That impressed me. Yeah, it wasn't a faint uh, EVP on a tape. No, no, it was a loud no, and it came it came off in recording it as loud. I want I want to see it. There was a um, when I was a Native American drum, we used to go up to the, the uh, drum mothers to practice, and the town that they're in is on the edge of Worcester, and also that whole area is is haunted. And we would smudge and say prayers and we would drum. And there would be probably the best description is what people call the hat man, a tall figure with a hat that would walk by the windows in front. And you yeah. could see the shadow figure. Everybody in the room, and, it, and there were about 12, 13 people in the room, would see this figure walk outside. Now, initially, when new people would come by or they'd be visiting, they'd go outside. Now, this uh, was a house back from a road. There weren't even sidewalks. It was kind of like there was like farms or different stuff. There were different stuff around. Um, It wasn't a place where people took walks, traffic, anything of that sort. And those people investigated could never find anybody. But on a regular basis, they would never enter that sacred space where we drummed. But everybody who was ever there at one time or another would, would look up and say, oh, there he goes. And it's kind of like this was not a shared hallucination because if someone new came, we never told them about it. We let them discover it themselves. Right. So it was kind of that to me was was impressive that we could look up and I could, oh, they're here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> they're out there. Yeah. So I think we can both agree that, you know, that the human mind conjuring things is a possible thing. You know what I mean? I would say definitely it can, you, you project that energy, you make, you can bring either bring that energy can either bring something across or can create that thing itself because of a desire. And, uh, it will create what you project and you don't have to, you don't even have to say it. And that, that applies to your life as well. Um, <coughs> if you, if you say like negative, you mentioned negative talk early on, um, negative thought. You don't want that negative thought. It's a negative energy that tears you down. Just the thought. You really ramp it up when you speak it. Now, if you're talking about manifesting outside of yourself, whether it's poltergeist or something you want to see, you have the ability to project that and to use your energy to make that come about, make that appear in front of you. Yeah. I'm with it. You know what I mean? There's multiple different vibe. I like that how it's different. There's so many different types of energies and everything. It's really a, a full, you know, smorgasbord. 
of uh, all different types of energy out there. You know, it's a very interesting place, very interesting world. So yeah, I think we uh, we can definitely we 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 come to agreement that the human mind can conjure a ghost, but a ghost per se, no, it can conjure energy. Um, it could co- conjure energy and 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 the belief in form and start to form. You know, very about this with the humoculus. You know, you can uh, anything. You can kind of anything can kind of be done, which is a scary thought. Um, but be safe is what I got to say. That's all I got to say about it. You know, the human mind, be careful. The human mind's very powerful, more powerful than you can even imagine because your brain won't let you imagine that far. So uh, be cautious, be safe. The greatest weapon of all was in, within your head. And the greatest key to peace is also the same thing. So with that being said, we'll catch y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. Fantastic.